Today is part number two just of our Christmas series, and we've, uh, we, we are excited about the story of Christmas. Um, raise your hand if, if you love the Christmas season. Come on, somebody, lift it up nice and high. Let's go. Uh, I tell you what, I love Christmas. It is the most wonderful time of the year. I, I, I know it's cold. I, I know like you had to shovel this week and you're going to have to shovel again. I know that. Uh, I miss going for walks outside and playing golf. But listen, when was the last time you saw a mosquito? <laughs> All right, yeah. I see what we're talking about. Uh, but I love the Christmas season. I, I love cookies. I love family stuff. I love giving gifts and being with my kids, Christmas movies, uh, Christmas lights, Christmas shopping, all of that stuff. I just eat that stuff up. It's so good. I love Christmas. But, but of course, the reason for the season like, is what makes this special. In fact, like watching The Grinch with your kids, which is, we got that and we were watching it this week. Our children love that thing. Uh, the cartoon version one, they like that. But watching that is so much fun. But the real joy comes in a God who did something special. And a God who sent his son, a God who loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be born as a baby. It's a gift. It's a miracle. It's truly beautiful when you begin to focus on it. If you were here last week, Pastor Karsten, um, our kids pastor, spoke, and he spoke just this message on trusting God even when we don't know, even when we don't understand, even when we have questions. And he talked about Mary and what an incredible story Mary is in the story of Christmas. She has no idea what's going on. She has no idea what's happening. Like, what is this going to look like? She has all sorts of reasons to doubt, all sorts of reasons to question. God, this doesn't make sense. How can this be? Yet she responds with these beautiful words. And this is what we saw last week. She responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And we have this teenage girl that responds in that way to an angel telling her all sorts of craziness. And just what an amazing thing. There's so much we can learn from God here in this through Mary. Yes, God, I am your servant. If you missed that message, you can find that online on our website. You can watch any of our messages there. Uh, it was challenging for me personally, and I think that it will be challenging for you as well. That brings us to today. And uh, I'm excited to look at what comes next in the story and see what God would say to us through his word. So let's do this. Please stand with me all over this place. And we're just going to read uh, from the Bible together. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse number 1, I think. I, like now I've got myself all questioning if I have the right spot. But okay, Matthew 3, verse number 1. Go put that next slide up. Is that what it, that's what it says there too. So I think, I, don't, I have no idea if I'm in the right spot. I feel really weird here. That's okay. But if, if I start reading and you're following along, you're like, nope, that's not it. Just it's in Matthew 1, 2, or 3. You'll be able to figure it out, okay? I know that for sure. All right, so here's what it says. Um, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star head appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. He's lying, by the way. He's li- you know the story. He's lying. Okay? After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. By the way, this is a side note here, just to wreck your nativity scene for a moment. Um, You read that where it says, on coming to the house, the three wise men did not come to to the place where Jesus was born with the shepherds. That was not the case. This is actually significant. a little bit longer past here. Jesus has been born, and this is a different place and a different time than that original one. Some of you are like, I I don't I can't handle that. I don't know what's going on. So you just need to take you need to take your wise men and put them on the other side of the house from your shepherds if you have one of those. Okay, there we go. A side note. Okay, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. God, let's pray. God, we, we just take a deep breath in this moment and just welcome you into this right here. Let your very word and let the story of the birth of Jesus and the wise men and Herod, let, let this significantly do something in our minds and in our hearts today. And so, Lord, we come to you with our hearts open, our minds expectant of what you may say and what you may want to do. We give this to you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is where we are, so that was wrong. Thank you. But the words were right. The chapter was wrong, but you figured it out. I don't know what happened. But as soon as I looked at it, I was like, I don't think this is right. So there we go. All right. Uh, I'm just going to start by saying this. that There are some parts of being a pastor that are not very fun. And, and I don't say any of that to like get pity from people or have you come up to me and say, well, you know, whatever. There are just parts that aren't very fun. There are seasons where things are hard. And we get to spend time with, some, with people at some of the lowest moments of their life and some of the hardest things, and, and that's hard. That's hard. There are also some parts of being a pastor and doing what I do that are exceptional, that are, that are so rewarding, that are incredible, as we get to walk with certain people at certain times in their life as they experience God in certain ways, and we get to see some of the highs of what it looks like to just be a follower of Jesus. Some of the other things that we get to do is we actually get to travel sometimes, like Pastor Corey did, around the world in different places. We have partners in missionaries and different things all around the world, and from time to time we travel, we take teams, we go all those places. 
uh, our, our church is pretty globally focused in that. And um, let me show you a couple of the things that I've seen, and I'm kind of setting you up for something. So I can remember the first time I went to a place called Cambodia. I've uh, been there a couple times, way on the other side of the world. We visited this entire village that had been built on a lake. Put that slide up here for me. The entire village is on a lake. Like every building is floating. Floating. The church was floating. The school is floating. The buildings, the houses, everything, either on these big empty barrels, there's these plastic blue barrels that they would build their homes on, or sometimes they would even take bamboo and they would tie them together into these things and put them under the homes. But there just was not enough land in this area for people to live, and so they moved out onto the lake. And these kids right here are on their way to school. This is their school bus. In a way, you can see they're all wearing their little school uniforms and, uh, and these beautiful children are on their way to school. What an incredible thing. Like we're there and we're going, how is this real? This is absolutely spectacular. Um, just amazement in the way that people live some, some places around the world. I remember going to Africa and we were way on the east side of Africa in Tanzania. I've been there a few different times. And we were there to work with these churches and different things. And let me show you a picture. Go ahead and put that next picture up. This was one of the pastors and churches that we visited. He's standing in the church, by the way. If, if you don't understand what's going on, the church is nothing but like these sticks that they have up. And then if it was raining, they would take these tarps and they would put them, just put it over the top and, that, and they'd have church in the rain. Okay, this is the pastor and his wife. The little thing that's standing in front of them is like his pulpit, his little thing that he preaches from. Isn't that amazing? And you're just, you're, I'm in this moment and I'm going, this is absolutely crazy, incredible stuff, amazing things to see around the world. While we were there, we uh, got to drive through a place called the Serengeti, and if you don't know what that is, the Serengeti is like uh, the most famous safari, hundreds of miles worth of wildlife uh, that, you, that you can see anywhere on the planet. Go ahead and put that next picture up for me. This is just some pictures that I took. Like, I took this. This isn't from Google. I'm feeling pretty cool about here, all right? But look at this cheetah. I'm like 12 feet from a cheetah. I was in a Jeep, okay, and <laughs> had walls. <in> it. <laughs> so I was doing all right, but I just about wanted to see how fast it was. I was like, I don't think it can catch me, but no. Uh, you know, and so we saw lions. We saw lions all over the place. It was crazy. Um, we got really close to a mama lion once, and she hissed at us like it was, I was like, okay, you know, our guide's, the guide is like laughing and I'm thinking, I don't think we should be here, but he thought it was funny. Okay, we saw giraffe and they are just huge and magnificent and you see them get a drink of water and they have to do the splits. It's kind of, it's really goofy how they have to do that. Elephants everywhere. And then we saw these are impalas down here and they were literally fighting with each other. Um, the Serengeti, I didn't put a picture of this on there, but what, one of the things they're famous for is like um, a million and a half wildebeest and 700,000 zebras and hundreds of thousands of these, and they all move at one time from one place to the other. And so we were at one point driving through this, this area and as far as you could see in every direction were these animals called wildebeest. And they'd run across the road in front of you. And it was just like, it was like a million of them. 
I mean, it was unbelievable just some of the things around the world. I remember going to India at some point. I've been there a few different times too. India is crazy. There's people on top of people everywhere you look. And traffic is horrible, by the way, if you ever want to be there. It'll take you, it'll take you four hours to go 10 miles in India uh, for a lot of the place. But we're visiting these churches, training these pastors. One of the days we drove up and saw this. This is called the Taj Mahal. Go ahead and the, go to the next picture for me. Like, it's this, it's this ancient wonder of the world where they, they built this out of marble. Some rich king built this as a tomb for his wife. It's like, what in the world is going on? Uh, and I remember being in Nepal, and I've been in Nepal a couple times, and I got on this airplane, and we flew over the Himalayan mountains. Put that picture up for me, okay? And you, you're in this plane, and as far as you can see, there are mountains everywhere. Um, like, eight of the highest 14 peaks in the world are all right there. Um, this highest piece, peak right here is Mount Everest. Uh, that is the highest peak in our world. Next to it is Mount Lhotse, that second one, and that's the fourth highest. No one's ever heard of that one because it just stands right next to Mount Everest. But as far as you could see, like it's, it's breathtaking. It's incredible things. And these are just like a glimpse of some of the wonders of our world. Now, why am I telling you this in a series about Christmas and the Christmas story? Listen, when you see things like this for the first time, you are filled with wonder. It is something significant. You, you, like you are just in awe of Mount Everest. And you're like, this is, this is something. I can't even believe this. Little kids on a canoe all by themselves. And you're going, well, that, how, how do their parents let them do that, first of all? Uh, like, that's crazy. Going to school and their school is, it floats on the water. They have a gymnasium that floats on the water. And you're going, this doesn't make any sense. You see animals in the wild, and it's not a zoo. It's breathtaking. Buildings like the, t- I mean, this stuff goes on and on. You see it for the first time, and you are filled with wonder. But listen to me. There are, like, the situation of this is, is this. The people who live in these places, this is everyday, normal nothingness to them. And it's crazy to see and talk to people who live halfway up the Himalayan mountains and we go up there and it's absolutely breathtaking and they're just like, yeah, this isn't Tuesday for us. And you're going, what is good? People who drive through, these guides drive through the Serengeti every single day of their life showing people these incredible things and they're just like, yeah, there's another lion. And it's like, what? We, we as people can get so used to incredible, amazing things that we absolutely lose the wonder of it all. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? It's, what's funny is you have someone come down, you have someone come up here from like the middle of Africa, come to Minnesota, and to see them see snow for the first time, and they're going, and we're going, <laughs> The wonder, the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all. Today, I've, I've titled this message, Christmas Wonder. And understand, for some of us, for many of us, like we have, we have just heard this Christmas story and, and been a part of this Christmas story for so long, over and over again, that we've just lost the wonder of what this is. We've lost that. Like we, we can tell each other the story of Mary and Joseph and and the shepherds and the angels and all that type of stuff, but it's just lost it. 
And in a way, in a way, you could think of it this way. We're staring right up at Mount Everest and just saying, oh, it's not just another big hill. And we've lost the wonder of it all. My prayer for you this season is that you would experience the wonder of the Christmas story and that it would be fresh and that it would be beautiful and that it would be significant and that as we gather together with families and open gifts and eat food and all of that type of stuff, we, there would be moments, there would be moments of wonder. And so here we go, Christmas wonder. So I'm going to set this up in this way. For 400 years, God had been silent. God had been silent, and the people waited. They were waiting for a Messiah, waiting for God to send someone to save them, waiting for, for someone to free them. God had promised this. It had been told. It had been prophesied. Uh, but for 400 years, God had been completely silent. In fact, there is a 400-year gap that happens in the Bible, on the, on the timeline of the Bible from the time Jesus was born 400 years backwards. Nothing in the scripture. It's void. It's empty. There's nothing there. 400 years. 400 years is hard for us to grasp, isn't it? Like we don't even really think about, is that a long time? I don't really understand this. But listen, in America, George Washington was president 250 years ago. Less than that. Less than 250 years ago, George Washington was president. That is crazy. And if you're like me, George Washington feels like ancient history. Okay? 400 years is a long time to be waiting. A long time for God to be silent. Was God ever going to do what he promised? Was the Messiah ever going to come? Was all this prophetic stuff in the history of the Jewish people, was that all real? Or was that all just kind of like fabricated type of stuff? See, God had done miracles. God had spoken to the people through the prophets. God had done incredible supernatural things. But just understand that was all in the past for these people. It was all history for them. And these people were waiting for the promise that never seemed to come. And then this star appears star. And of course, there's so much more to the story. We have angels appearing to people. We have the shepherds in the field. But today, like, I want us to talk about this star, and I want us to focus for a few moments on these people, these characters we call the wise men. In the, in the story we read, it's what we read just a few minutes ago in the book of Matthew, like, we have these magi is the word, okay, uh, which is kind of root of the words magician, uh, kings, they sometimes are called wise men. We don't really know who these guys are. Uh, they, we know that they came a long, from a long way away, from the east, it says, uh, and, and you know the story, you've heard this before, but let's take a step back today and explore this a bit. This is Christmas wonder. Now, now, we're talking about a hundred, hundreds of miles in their journey. Some scholars even put it at like thousands. They, they, we, don't, we don't know. Taking an entire caravan of stuff, large financial investment for these, for these people to do this and to follow this special star in the sky. And the question I want to ask simply is why? Why would they put so much time into this? Why would they put so much energy into this? Why would they put so much money into this journey? Hundreds of miles following something in the sky, a, a star in the sky. Like, what, think about this with me. Why would they do that? Uh, and, and, and I actually don't believe they were the only people to see the star. In fact, when they talked to Herod, it says they showed him the star. They talked about the star. Herod saw the star. More than them, saw, the star was not just like this 
thing they only saw. The star was there for all to see is the picture that we get. But why did they respond in the way that they did? And I, and I think that the easy answer to this is simply that they came to the conclusion that this was a God thing. That this was a God moment. That God was in the middle of this. And so they come from the east. We don't know how far in the east. We don't know how far they travel, but eventually they get to Jerusalem and they go straight to this king, this king named Herod. Herod's the bad guy in the story, uh, if you didn't know that, and he's a bad guy in history. It's not just a Christmas story where he's bad. Herod is a bad dude. This, is, this guy is like um, it's extremely insecure in history is the way you could put it. Extremely anxious, extremely self-centered. History tells us that he murdered uh, all of his brothers because he was worried they would try to take the throne from him. Uh, and he murders his son, kills his son. It makes a little more sense why he's going to be responsible for murdering all sorts of babies in this area, right? Like the guy is off the wall nutso, is a, if that's a real word, okay? And he's just crazy. He's crazy. Uh, and the wise men show up to this man, and they say this. They say, they say to King Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They, they go to this man and they say, like, God is up to something and we've got to go see it. Where has this, where is it? And we're here to worship him. And here's the crazy thing about this story. And if you don't know a lot of geography, you probably wouldn't even know this. But Jerusalem, where Herod was, where they stopped, and Bethlehem, we're talking five and a half miles apart. They had traveled, what scholars think, hundreds of, hundreds of miles, ended up in Jerusalem. And now they're five and a half miles from where Jesus is living at that moment in Bethlehem. Five and a half miles, and they're talking, to, they are almost there. And, and, and the wise men show Herod the star, and they say, he's been born. Where is he? We want to worship him. And we read about Herod and his advisors, advisors and the secret stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And, and then the wise men leave, and they head out on this final part of their journey. They've been traveling for months, and now they're hours away. Okay, because they're on, they're on foot, if you didn't know that. They're not driving in a car. All right, uh, and a few miles later, they find Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, and they take these gifts, and, and they give them, and they worship this newborn king, a baby. They worship this child, the star, the journey, the baby. Like, this is a story of, of wonder. It's a story of what is God up to, and what is happening here in this moment. And there's so much we can learn from this, so much we can take from this. And so but before we finish today, I just want to make a few observations. There's only going to be two of them. Write these down. Write these down if you're taking notes because it's kind of significant to this part of the story. Uh, number one, and we hinted at this, out of the silence, Jesus was born. Out of the silence, 400 years, 400 years of God, of God, where are you? Of God, are you ever going to come? Of God, what is going on here? 400 years, historically, a gap. 400 years, a long time to feel like God is silent. It's a long time to wait. It's a long time to be praying and to feel like there's no answer. You hear that? But, but just, when, just when it felt like it would never come, and just when it felt like for the people there is no hope and nothing's going to happen and nothing's going to change, when it all seemed completely silent, Jesus was born. He was born into that moment. 
God changed history. God brought hope. God shows himself to be faithful. And listen, here's just why I want to bring this part up. You may, you may be praying and have been praying for something for years and years and years of your life. You may feel like God is distant, like God is silent, like God is not hearing you when you pray, like what's up with the ceiling? My prayers go bonk and they get stuck right there. I don't understand it. Where is God? And Christmas and this story right here, and like this, this story of wonder should fill us with this moment of right in the midst of all of that, God shows himself and does supernatural amazingness, changes the course of history out of that, out of the silent in that way. And, and my prayer for you today is that in, in the wonder that is the Christmas story, you would find hope and you'd find encouragement in a God who does incredible things even when we feel like he is not there. Even when we, fe- even when we don't feel it and we don't see it. And you may feel all alone this Christmas season. You may be asking, God, where are you? You, you may have lost, like, all of the hope that you even have of things changing, but I pray that the wonder of this would transform things for you. That's my prayer for you today. Just when it felt like God was silent, he sent Jesus. Out of the silence, Jesus was born. Second, uh, and this is, there's only two for today, write this down. The wonder of Christmas is found in how we respond to Jesus and how we respond. And we have this beautiful case study of uh, the way that Herod responds compared to the way that these three wise men respond. Think about this with me. The, the wise men speak to Herod just miles before they would find Jesus. They say, something is going on here. God is in this. God is doing something. We've seen the star. We've come to worship him. Herod, Herod gathers his advisors together and says, where's that guy supposed to be born? Where's the, where's he, where do the prophets say? They, they're like, Bethlehem, five or six miles from here supernatural star in the sky. And, and, I, and you can read all sorts of things about scholars who think, who think that historically even this was like the lining up of three specific planets and things in one place. And there's other, others that say it was some comet or something. We don't, like, we can guess and all that type of stuff. But there was something in the sky that was significant here. And, and, and how does Herod respond he doesn't go seek out this miraculous event, does he? He doesn't make the five-mile trip to see this thing that has happened. Herod makes no effort, has no desire to see what God is doing. Why is that? Why is that? Let me give a thought quickly, and I think we could go a couple different ways with this, but I believe it could be as simple as, like, Herod didn't want things to change. He wanted things to continue to be exactly the way that they, like he was comfortable in his life with where he was at. He was king. He was king and he's sitting on the throne and this coming king, this coming Messiah was a threat to the way that he was living his life. Like, or we could say Herod just wanted to stay on his throne. Are you with me? He wants to stay on his throne, and his desire to stay on the throne keeps him from experiencing the birth of the very Son of God. His fear of what it could mean, his insecurities showing themselves, his attitude, his approach to this entire thing leads him to miss it because at the very root of it all, he wanted to stay in control. 
You wanted that. And listen, it may not be exactly the same, but you also have a throne in a way. And I'm not talking about your toilet. Some of you guys are like, he's talking about a throne. That's not what this is, okay? Come on. That's not funny. Don't say that stuff, all right? But, but you do. And it may not be an actual literal throne in the same sense that a king sits on, but there is a throne of your life. And whoever sits on it is in control. And whoever sits on it calls the shots of your life. And we naturally climb up on our own little throne and live our life with ourself as number one. With ourself as what is important and the decisions that I make are going to be for me and for the people that I love. And we live our lives in that way, sitting on the top of our own little throne. But understand, you cannot truly experience Jesus in your life without getting off of your little throne. The call of Jesus is submission. It's submitting to his authority and submitting to his purpose. It's total submission to God. And in a very symbolic sense, you are getting off of this this place in your life and allowing Jesus to take the rightful place in you. In this, in this, okay? Now, Herod was unwilling to do that in a very literal sense, but many in our culture today are just unwilling, unwilling to do that even in a spiritual sense. Now, on the other side, we have these people, the wise men, the magi, the whatever, okay? We see their hunger. We see this, we, we, we must see what is happening. We see this, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, However far we have to go, let's go see what God has done. And the way in which they perceive this thing, the way in which they respond to this thing, like approach this moment, has everything to do with them experiencing this incredible thing that God has done. Listen, the wonder of Christmas is found in just how we respond to this. And it's very easy for us to respond as normal Christian Americans who go through the motions and give a little money, but deep down, we still hold on to everything that is us. And this is a story. The wonder of Christmas is really found in us learning to respond to Jesus in the right way. Music team, will you please come? Before we go today, uh, we're going to just take a few minutes just for a time of prayer and reflection and singing. Uh, But listen, like how, how you respond to Jesus this Christmas has everything to do with how you will experience this season. If your focus is on your family, then that's what you're going to experience. If you're, if your focus is on you know, gifts and cookies and all of then that's what you're going to experience. And that stuff is fantastic. Do that but just understand if this never gets to the level of Jesus for you when it comes to this season, then you are really missing it. Because the wonder of Christmas is not just found in, in, in all of that stuff, though I love that stuff. The wonder of Christmas is found in a God who loved people so much that he sent his very son. He sent his son to die. He sent his son to be born here. And it doesn't make any sense. 
and it doesn't even feel like possible that God could be born here as a person in the most humble way, like the, the, the story doesn't add up and yet we look at this as just every day, yeah, I've heard that before. There is beauty and wonder in what God has done and we miss it and we miss it. And my prayer is that this would be different. Stand with me all over this place. God, we come to you today with our hearts and our minds. God, we, we naturally seem to put ourselves as the center of the universe. We naturally seem to climb up on the little throne of our lives and live as king. And yet your call, Jesus, is that we would submit to your purpose your will, and what you would have. And so, God, we just pray that you would help us take a step in that direction. And I pray, God, I pray that this season, I pray that these next few weeks would not just be going through the motions of Christmas and buying gifts and spending time with family, but, Lord, I pray that we would be filled with wonder at a God who loved us so much that he sent his son. Let that overwhelm our hearts and our minds. Let that become a reality to us in a way that brings change. God, we lay down our lives before you. Help us and move us, oh God, we pray. Before we're done today, uh, we, we always want to just give somebody people a chance to respond to the message of Jesus, maybe even for the first time. And that may sound like a weird thing to say uh, in a culture that, the culture that we live in where church and, and religion and all that has just been a part of so many of our lives forever. Uh, but the reality is you can, you can spend your whole life walking through the doors of churches and being baptized and confirmed and all that type of stuff and still never really personally respond to Jesus. Because it's very easy in our world to just make this be about tradition and religion and those types of things. And religion and tradition are not bad. That's not my point in this. But we can actually miss the heart of this entire thing of a God who sent his son to be born as a person and to live the life that we couldn't live in absolute perfection with zero sin and to die a death for our sin. And it's not about just going to church and it's not about being baptized and going through confirmation classes and like that that's not the root of what all of this is. The root is that we have been separated from a perfect God and it's only through Jesus that we can be reconciled to him. It's why all of this happened. And how does that happen? You, when It happens when we, in our hearts, begin to put our faith and our trust in Jesus for what he has done. It's a gift from God. It's nothing that you can do. You can't earn your way. You can't work hard enough and do all the stuff to get yourself there. This is literally as easy as receiving a gift from God. But when you receive this gift, things begin to change in your life as you are overwhelmed by what God has done for you. 
and with no one looking around, just a time of perfect, or just a, just a time of reflection here for a moment. If you're here today and, and you would just say, man, Pastor Kyle, I, I have never truly done what you're talking about. I have never, from deep down in my heart, put my trust and my faith in God, in Jesus and what he did. And, and I want to do that today. If that's you here today, will you just put up, show me your hand for a moment? I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else that would say, yeah, this is my day. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to this as well. You can do that. It's a heart thing between you and God, but you can respond just a moment longer. Anyone else? Church, let's just say a prayer together. Everyone pray this. Pray this with me. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, let's just put our hands together and celebrate that moment.